The views expressed on this episode of My Take Radio do not reflect the views, thoughts, or feelings of the My Take Radio staff, My Take Radio advertisers, or My Take Radio content partners. Listener and viewer discretion is advised. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's going on, guys? My Take Radio, episode 378, powered by Rageworks, broadcasting live Thursday, November 3rd, 2016. I'm your host, Rich, and our call-in number is 347-324-3541. Again, that call-in number, 347-324-3541. If this is your first time tuning into My Take Radio, My Take Radio is a variety show covering mixed martial arts, professional wrestling, gaming, and entertainment. We air live Wednesdays and Thursdays at 11.30 p.m. Eastern, 8.30 p.m. Pacific. On Wednesday nights, we cover MMA and wrestling. Thursdays, we switch gears, jump into some gaming, entertainment, a little tech for good measure. And as usual, you can listen to the show on mtrlive.com. In addition to that, you can watch various different video feeds that we have for the show, plus our audio-only feed via Mixler. You can also download the Mixler app for Android or iOS devices and listen to the show that way. Just look for the app, M-I-X-L-R is how it's spelled. Punch in My Take Radio, and you can listen to the show live in high-quality stereo on your mobile device wherever you are. You can also listen to our colleagues, Ben and Taylor from Black is the New Black, who also host their show live on Mixler as well. In addition to that, archived episodes of this show and previous shows can be found, as usual, on RageWorks.net, but podcast versions can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. Video, of course, goes to our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash official RageWorks. For those of you that are watching this show via Vaughn Live, StreamUp, uh, various other services, YouTube, Twitch, etc., uh, just a quick reminder, even though those dedicated services have their own chat rooms, it's a lot easier if you guys went through mtrlive.com, which has the chat room there, and I can interact with you guys versus having a chat window open for each and every one of those services. I've been working with Restream to use their chat interface for all of those services and to have a unified chat system, which they already have in place, just working out all the bugs before we start implementing it during live broadcasts. Uh, nonetheless, I just realized that my phone is not muted. I apologize before it makes any noise. Nonetheless, aside from that, 
before we get into tonight's show, I did want to have uh, just share a couple of announcements with you guys, which I've been sharing on previous episodes. But as usual, I like to reiterate it in case uh, our listeners or viewers don't watch both shows every week. Our broadcast schedule, there will be no episodes of My Take Radio Live next week. Uh, we will be working on a couple of different events. Uh, we're going to be doing something with Lee Eco Wednesday, Thursday. I'm going to be going to NAB, checking out some of the different upcoming broadcast technologies that we can implement for the show, audio, video, etc. Of course, we're going to also be at CES unveiled for... Uh, the later part of the day, and we may even wander into uh, the Sony PS4 Pro launch. We'll see how that goes. It's going to be a very busy day. Uh, Friday, we're going to be at the UFC 205 weigh-ins, and um, as always, keep an eye out on our social media accounts for coverage of all of these events. Um, first and foremost, obviously, Instagram, which we've been doing a lot with. Also, we've been working a bit more on increasing our Snapchat presence, just trying to manage all the different platforms, as always. I know that a lot of people say you should only focus on one and build it out, but I like to have a presence everywhere and try and reach people where they are most comfortable. Now, one of the things I was talking about, besides obviously the live shows uh, not being on air for next week is our schedule for the rest of 2016 and what we're going to be doing in 2017. Uh, one of the things I mentioned is that we will be back the following week for live shows, and then the week of Thanksgiving, there will not be any live episodes, obviously due to the holiday, plus I do a lot of cooking for Thanksgiving, and I kind of start my prep work uh, that Wednesday, so I'll be doing that instead of doing the show. Then, of course, in December, we're going to do a couple of shows in December, but the we're probably going to take the last two weeks of the month off uh, just for holiday stuff and family stuff. And we'll be back after the holiday break in January. Now, as I mentioned last week and I mentioned during yesterday's show, I will be moving away from doing live My Take Radio broadcasts on a weekly basis uh, for a multitude of reasons. I elaborated on some of it yesterday and um, rather than regurgitate it, just... Uh, you know, it's time and getting the right people in there to check out the show on a live basis. Scheduling is always an issue. And because of that, I felt that it would be a disservice to be spread so thin and have, you know, the quality of the show suffer, which I, you know, I elaborated more on during yesterday's show. Nonetheless, uh, my take radio will continue as usual, the way the way we we were when we got into this in podcast format. Uh, our intention is probably to release MMA and wrestling editions uh, late Tuesday night into Wednesday morning and then late Wednesday night into Thursday morning for gaming and entertainment. All of the stuff that you're used to will still be there. Slick is still going to pop in for gaming and entertainment stuff. Uh, Jay Santi, Quark, uh, you know, various guests will be involved for any of the wrestling and MMA stuff. And that's how we're going to continue for the foreseeable future in 2017 of course we will do live specials we will do live broadcasts if we have a special guest that wants to do uh, a live show but that is the um you know that's the direction going into 2017 uh but again it is not the end of mtr just trying to refocus and pivot and go back to basics what brought us here uh for those of you that have asked about 
video with me not doing live episodes in 2017. Um, I won't be staring into a camera blankly while I record a podcast unless, you know, I'm really, really in the mood to just be a fucking creepo. Um, we are still going to put stuff on the YouTube channel, but it'll probably be a stationary image with audio for now. Like I said, obviously things can change at any time, but that is the goal. Um, in 2017, we're really going to try and focus just on growing RageWorks. Um, and I mean, really growing it, not this bullshit of this or that, you know, we want to be up there. We want you guys to look at us like, you know, people look at Polygon, The Verge, IGN, etc. You know, you, you don't come into this and dream little. Uh, you got to dream big. And part of the reason why we've been doing so well is we got an amazing team, which, you know, I acknowledged many of them on air yesterday. And a lot of them have been stepping up, really bringing something different to the table and in all honesty, making my job a lot easier. And this goes across the board from, you know, Slick running the boards behind the scenes to streaming to content to Quark with, with his pieces to Jay and his shows, Josie's boy, uh, my boy Jimbo Slice coming on board, uh, doing the variant issue, which a uh, new episode of that will be coming your way this coming Wednesday. Now, next Wednesday, I should say. And... um you know, we're, we're going to keep cranking out content, growing Rageworks, growing the Rageworks network, uh, may bring in some other shows, do a couple of other things and kind of just uh, diversify our content. And that's that's the goal for 2017. So when we close out that year, we can sit here and say, hey, you know, we're going to have this event and we're going to be hosting it at this venue and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. You got to dream big. Otherwise, you know, if it's not if you're not if you're not playing the long game, then what what does it matter at that point? You kind of just at that point want to go and work for someone else and punch a clock. And I don't want to do that. You know, I have a lot of fun doing the shows on uh, doing unboxings and videos and reviews and covering events and interacting with all of you guys. I love that shit. So, you know, when that stops becoming fun, then, you know, I will I will pass on. I will pass Rageworks on to more capable hands. But until then, uh, you know, super motivated, want to give you guys the best stuff possible. And that is the direction for the remaining two months of 2016 and obviously going into 2017. Now, with that said, we're still completing our expansion and our rebranding for all of our podcast channels. iTunes has been a little finicky. Um, they updated the title. So now if you're looking for the shows, all you got to do is punch in Rageworks and you will see that it will be a Rageworks feed with all the shows. I have been giving thought to probably having each individual show listed on iTunes as well. Not sure how easy that's going to be, but we're going to try and work on that uh, by year's end. The Google Play and Spotify expansions are still there. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things where we're going to keep building and we're going to keep pushing forward. The goal is by the time the year is up, we'll have completed the transition from my take radio branding on the podcast side to Rageworks. So you'll just be able to pull that up and look for the Rageworks network and listen to all the shows. So that that is the goal. We were partially there. iTunes has just been really weird with the updates. Some people are still finding stuff under my take radio. Some people are finding stuff under Rageworks. I know that the description has changed and the titles have changed on iTunes and they've been transitioning to some of the other platforms, 
but it is still a work in progress. Nonetheless, wanted to give you guys that update. Once Spotify and um, iHeartRadio transitions are complete, then then we're going to do some some really serious damage in terms of hitting some new demographics and some new listeners. And as always, a big part of you know interacting with new listeners is you guys. So if you like our shows, you like what we do, as always, toss us a review if you can or share the show in in a group or amongst your friends. That's that's how we grow and that's been what we've been doing thus far. Uh Slick, the uh the message you just sent me, it's it's been it's been a tough battle and um you know, I'll address that off air. Anyway, with that housekeeping out of the way, what do we got on deck? We got a, a decent amount of gaming news this week. Uh, we got some awesome entertainment stuff I want to get into and a couple of interesting updates on both sides of, of the of the system. In other words, on the gaming side, there's some, some, some stuff that came across my desk before we went live that I definitely want to get into. And I'm sure Slick is going to have some stuff to add to what I'm going to discuss during the gaming segment of course on the entertainment side we got some marvel stuff dc stuff big screen news small screen news uh it's it's going to be a a fun ride we're going to try and give you 90 minutes that's the goal trying to stay honest with that we went a little over yesterday but 90 minutes is the uh the end game in any case let's get to it let's talk gaming shall we All right, so a couple of things I want to get into. Um, really a, an interesting week in terms of numbers and metrics for a lot of different publishers and companies, which I'm going to get into different ones. Uh, first one is Nintendo. Many of us know that Nintendo's been making a lot of waves lately uh, with the two upcoming Pokemon games on the portable side, and we also have, obviously, the Nintendo Switch uh, the Wii U is still chugging along. We're going to get into that. And, um, you know, Nintendo, Nintendo's been making a lot of headlines. I mean, we got Mario coming to the, to the Apple watch, the Pokemon go stuff. There's, there's a bunch of stuff that Nintendo's been, um, you know, in the headlines for one particular thing that came out recently was some numbers that they shared regarding some of their games. Uh, Mario Kart eight sold 8 million units since it has come out since it was released in 2014. It is considered the Wii U's biggest hit. The crazy thing is that the Wii U itself has sold 13.3 million units so far. So think about that. Almost, it, you know, for it's almost for every Wii U, not, not exact, but for every Wii U, somebody picked up Mario Kart 8. I am, uh, I'm definitely in that camp. I did pick up Mario Kart 8. I still play it occasionally. And, um, you know the the sale the sales numbers are well deserved. Super Smash Brothers for the Wii U uh, also had some solid numbers: four point nine million units. Splatoon sold four point five million units, and Super Mario Maker sold three point seven million units. Uh, the other fun statistic is that the 3DS to date has sold six point five million units, with Pokemon XY, which sold fifteen point six million and Mario Kart 7 which sold 13.9 million as the top selling titles. Super Smash Brothers for the 3DS not to be left out has sold an, an a nice solid 8.3 million copies. Now, 
you know, these are these are great numbers for Nintendo. But as I've said before, Nintendo would be further along if they had more first party stuff out there. People are eating this shit up left and right. Think about this. Mario Kart 8 came out in 2014, two years ago, 8 million units compared to 13.3 million consoles that have been sold. These are these are numbers that you cannot ignore. And we'd be further along if Nintendo was putting out more first party stuff on a consistent basis. I'm not going to beat a dead horse with this because Slick and I have talked about this on numerous episodes but it's it's one of the things that always frustra- frustrates me with Nintendo, especially because they don't have a strong third-party arm like Microsoft and Sony do. So all of their stuff has to come from in-house, and that's where that's where their bread and butter is. I mean, if Nintendo would have been smart, they would have bought they would have brought Sonic the Hedgehog into the fold and made him a Nintendo property, and you know even grab some of those Sega franchises as well. Only because I think that what makes Nintendo uh, so appealing is the iconic characters that they create. And I'm not just talking Mario and Luigi, but even characters that they created after the fact. I mean, when they created the Koopa Kids, which, you know, are still popular now, we still see toys of them all over the place. Uh, Wario, of course, when when he burst on the the scene, uh, Waluigi, same thing. And then, of course, other stable characters, Kid Icarus, Kirby, Star Fox, uh, you know, these these are characters that their their relationship with Nintendo is, you know, it's it's iconic. Whenever we talk about some of these characters, the first things that come up are the games for those respective systems. I mean, you can't talk about Simon Belmont without talking about at least five awesome Castlevania games that you may have played on your Nintendo or Super Nintendo at some point in your life. I mean, that's just it's just how it goes. And for me, I think that like I said, while these numbers are amazing, they could definitely be better if they just were, you know, on a more per, on a more consistent basis. That's all I'm saying. All right. So, on the Sony side of things, we got the PS4 Pro on the horizon. As a matter of fact, it's going to be in re- in retailers uh, November 10th, and I got to say a few things about that. First, obviously, is the fact that they put out their launch lineup, which um, most of these titles are already there, but they're going to be getting 4K and HDR support, and uh, some of the other games are going to be getting patches, but it's a pretty solid lineup of titles that we're going to be seeing. Uh, Battlefield 1, of course, Battle uh, Battlezone, Bound, Call, for Duty, Black, Call of Duty, Black Ops 3, Call of Duty Infinite Warfare, Modern Warfare Remastered, Deus Ex Mankind Divided, Drive Club VR, EA Sports FIFA 17, not even shocked, Firewatch, Helldivers, Hitman, Hustle Kings, Infamous First Light, Infamous Second Son, Knack, Mafia 3, Middle Earth Shadow of Mordor, NBA 2K17, Paragon, PlayStation VR Worlds, Ratchet and Clank, Res Infinite, Riggs, Mechanized Combat League, Rise of the Tomb Raider, not even shocked. Uh, Robinson the Journey, Smite, Super Stardust Ultra, The Elder Scrolls Online, Tamriel Unlimited, The Elder Scrolls Skyrim, Special Edition, The Last of Us Remastered, uh, Last of Us Left Behind, The Playroom VR, Titanfall 2, Tumble, Uncharted 4, Thief's End, Until Dawn, Rush of Blood, Viking Squad, Wheels of Aurelia, World of Tanks, and XCOM 2. 
Of course, that list will continue to grow by the end of the year with Watch Dogs 2, Kill Floor 2, The Last Guardian, Final Fantasy 15, Nio, Resident Evil 7, and For Honor coming in early 2017. Of course, all first-party games that are released in 2017 will also be optimized, meaning titles like Gravity Rush 2, Horizon Zero Dawn, Days Gone, and Gran Turismo Sport will be joining that lineup. Now, again, release date, November 10th in Japan, North America, and Europe with an estimated, with a manufacturer's suggested retail price of $399 here in the States and um, 44980 yen in Japan. Now, before I bring Slick on, a couple of things I want to address. You don't need to buy a PS4 Pro. You don't. You don't need to buy an Xbox One S. The systems you have are great. Perfectly fine. Now, let me say this. If you are looking to upgrade your television set in 2017, you know, taking advantage of one of those Super Bowl deals over uh, over the break and grabbing yourself a nice 4K TV, then by all means, feel free to future-proof yourself. Um, that's That's how I look at it. You don't need it. I mean, I said a couple of shows back that I was going to pick up an Xbox One S so that I can bring my regular Xbox One into the studio for more streaming. And that is still my intention. But aside from that, I wasn't really going to go and buy it. But with the support for 4K Blu-ray and HDR content, I was contemplating picking it up sooner rather than later, only because I've been debating possibly picking up a 4K TV during Super Bowl weekend when they do some of the really, really good deals. And there's a lot of good companies out there with some really, really strong offerings on the 4K side of things. Again, I'm not saying that's how you guys should do it, but if you are looking at either one of those systems, please look at it from the perspective that you are upgrading your home theater and don't just buy it for the sake of buying it because there's really no genuine benefit. If you don't have a 4K TV, yes, you're going to have you know systems that are going to be able to maybe load the games faster, et cetera, et cetera. In the case of the Xbox One S, you got a smaller footprint, you know, things like that. But otherwise, wait, wait and and invest in your home theater first. With that said, I'm going to bring Slick in because Slick and I have, are always um, not competitive, but just we're always looking at the at the best technology to suit our needs. So we are two individuals that update our shit on a fairly consistent basis. And I want to see where he stands with that. So let me bring him in. Mr. Slick, what's up? What's up, man? How you doing? I'm good, brother. How are you? I'm good. So where do you stand with the PS4 uh, Pro? That's a very good question. I am, not to make a pun, but I am pro PS4 Pro, despite some of the shortcomings. Okay. Just that I am not, you know, unlike the original PS4, I am not key to jump on it next week right but like i said and i don't i don't think that it's gonna have problems of course it could but really um like you mentioned right now i just have hd tv right i have 4k tv yet right i mean unless you count my my computer monitor but i'm not going to be playing it here right um 
the games look great as they are. Right. I'm not saying that some games will look better, but that's one thing I did want to bring up. That's why I was I kept messaging you. Uh, Square Enix again is in the news a lot today. Of they course, dropped some additional images of Rise of the Tomb Raider for excuse me in its um, PS4 Pro uh, rendition. They they did finally recently fix that issue where. People streaming from PS4 could only do so in 360p. Now they can do it in 720p, which even that sounds ridiculous, but that's a PS4 issue. Right. Um, but also they announced, and you said it, it was just announced today that Hitman would be joining the the games that are getting the PS4 Pro update. Right. And they dropped some images for that. And I'll tell you, as a huge, everybody knows I'm a huge Hitman fan, they don't look any better. The reason why they don't look any better is because Hitman looks amazing. Is I've seen, you know, just over the year, people that stream in 1080p at 60 frames and the animation is much better. Right. Or in that case, I've seen people stream in 4K because, you know, obviously it came out for, for PC. Right. And screw all the consoles. Obviously, the PC is going to give you the truest 4K experience. Absolutely. Hitman does not look significantly better in 4K on a PC running high spec than it does on a you know a PS4 or an Xbox One. Does it look any better? I would say absolutely yes, but it's a negligible difference. I mean, the game has its issues but it um visually especially if you see the the latest episode that dropped this week visually it's something to experience right but um going back to the PlayStation 4 I would um especially since with as far as what I want to call its native lineup not the games like Rise of the Tomb Raider or Hitman that came out before the launch that are getting updates. Right. But the, the games that are quote unquote being made for PS4 Pro and PS4, uh, I'm right now most interested in Horizon Zero Dawn. So I was thinking of maybe waiting till February, hoping that maybe there'll be a Horizon Zero Dawn branded PS4 Pro bundle or something. Okay. Even if it's, even if the thing is still the standard design, I am believing, because I know they did it for Uncharted 4, Sony does at least one branded console a year, just like Microsoft does. Right. And I'm thinking that unless they have something else, well, I just, I just blew my own mind. Unless they're, they're going to do a Spider-Man one, because then I would definitely wait for the Spider-Man one. You know yep. I yep. go crazy for Spider-Man. Absolutely. Considering, you know, even though that's not a... Well, technically, that that is still a Sony property. So there is the possibility of a Spider-Man-branded PS4 Pro. Absolutely. And if I hear any word of that, I mean, I would drop, I would drop the pre-order money on that instantly if they announced that. Well, let's uh, put it that way. Well, a couple of things I want to say. Um, you know, screenshots are always wonderful, and we've seen streaming, you know, in all the native formats. But here's a couple of things I gotta I gotta acknowledge. I saw an Xbox One S running in the Microsoft Store, and it was running 
uh, 4K Blu-ray, and it was running it on a on a beautiful monitor. And I said to myself, that right there is a beautiful thing. And what happens with 4K, much like 1080p, much like anything else, there's two schools of thought. And I always tell people this whenever I get a message on Facebook or a phone call asking for recommendations for televisions or hardware. I mean, you and I, you'll hit me up and ask for a recommendation on something. I always tell you the same thing that I tell everybody else. Your usage is going to dictate how much you're going to enjoy this particular piece of technology. And I say this for phones. I say this for everything. Because for me, when I'm watching a movie, when I'm playing a game, I want to have, without a doubt, the best experience possible. I want the best sound. I want the best picture. Because at the end of the day, it's a tool to unwind. And it's something that you're going to spend a a lot of time in front of, especially in in our case. And I'm I'm a firm believer that if you're going to go and pick up these systems... To run them on a you know on a thirty two inch TV, you're you're not doing yourself any favors. And the reason I say this is because it goes back to the old seven twenty p ten eighty p debate when you know people were like, oh well, I got to get the ten eighty p TV, and they're watching you know a, a thirty inch television where the difference is you know negligible. Once you start getting into forty seven fifty fifty five. 60 65 70 80 inch or even if you're doing a projector that's when that shit really really matters and when it comes to these consoles there's a lot of other aspects that you got to look at let me explain when people were buying playstation you know the playstation 3 and the playstation 4 blu-ray was just on the horizon And it made those systems appealing because you didn't have to go and buy a $200, $300 dedicated Blu-ray player because your console did that for you. And I always tell people that the PlayStation 3 at the time was the best Blu-ray player in the business because all Sony had to do was release updates to add features that people were paying extra money for for standalone Blu-ray players. You remember that? You know, online connectivity. Online saying the same thing. Yep. You know, online connectivity was one. Uh, 3D Blu-rays were another. Once all that stuff happened, it didn't. It didn't matter whether you were you had a PlayStation 3 or later on a PlayStation 4, but you knew that your your Blu-ray capabilities were going to be bleeding edge. And with that, this is where I look at it with 4K HDR, etc. The 3D fad was exactly what we've always said it was. It was a fad. I own a, a, a you know a couple of 3D Blu-rays that I ended up buying purely because those versions were on sale at or less than their their regular standard counterparts. And again, it was movies that I wanted. You know, I bought Dread in 3D. I got a couple of D, of Marvel movies in 3D. Um, you know, movies that genuinely showcased those features were 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 purchased on 3D. Now, when we get into 4K, there it's the same thing it's like do you want to own a 4k version of you know xyz disney movie or xyz marvel movie then by all means knock yourselves out because what happens is if you've seen the the current 4k offerings you get the 4k blu-ray you get a standard blu-ray and you get a dvd so everybody's covered and this is what i'm saying when you're making this this jump to these consoles don't do it with the intention of oh i'm getting something better do it because you want to upgrade your overall experience. And when I mean overall experience, 
I don't just mean a game loading three seconds faster. I mean you staring at a beautiful 50-inch 4K Ultra HD display and having your eyeballs burned out of your fucking skull because the picture is immaculate. I want to just add one thing to what you said right there. (laughs) Definitely don't buy these consoles because it might load a game three seconds faster. Because I'm going to tell you, one of the companies, because, you know, obviously I review, I do reviews and stuff, but uh, one of the companies that will give you some of the best of those bleeding eye explosive images is Square Enix. And uh, newsflash, that games don't load fast. There you go. At all. Yep. And like I said. I mean, the, it, the big. Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Finish your thought. I, I'll give you an example. Just, just Cause 3, that shit loaded slow as shit. And they've made it better. It's still slow as shit. <laughs> Hitman. Yep. Shit don't load fast. It's it's the fastest of the three I'm going to give you, but it don't load fast. Rise of the Tomb Raider, don't load fast. It has the fewest load times probably out of the three, but Hitman loads the fastest, and it can still take a minute for you to go, literally a minute or more, for you to go from hitting play to actually starting a mission. Well, one of the things I got to say is this. I'm sure that this holiday season we're going to see some impressive bundles. We already know that... You know, I wanted to remind everybody and correct myself because I mentioned that I didn't know about the Target two for one sale. It actually started this past Sunday and is currently in effect. So if you want to get your hands on any of your favorite games and you're not doing it through Best Buy, you can do the buy two get one free at Target through Saturday. Now, with that said, the PlayStation Four Pro, you know they're probably going to do some deals come Black Friday, and I say this because. Microsoft, our friends at Microsoft, from November 4th through the 12th, conveniently enough, when you buy a new Xbox One or Xbox One S console bundle, you get a new game of your choice starting at $299. Gee, excuse me, how convenient that they made that announcement right before a certain console from a certain company hits shelves next week. And they made sure to give you an example. You could buy an Xbox One S Battlefield One bundle 500 gigs, and you can get Call of Duty Infinite Warfare all for $299. Gee, what a convenient bundle to promote. <laughs> there you go. Or another one that they did, uh, Gears, of 4, Gears of War 4 bundle with the one terabyte configuration, you can add Battlefield 1 or Titanfall 2 at no additional cost. Oh, just, just awfully convenient that you would just cite all of those titles that everyone is buying right now. There you go. Yep. So, again, you know, the the announcement of the PS4 Pro is is amazing. I'm excited. You know, I'm excited for the Xbox One Scorpion. I'm wait, looking forward to seeing what they bring to the table. But at the end of the day, I always tell people, if you're going to do something, do it because you're enhancing your overall experience. Don't do it because the game's going to load quicker you know, or or if you want to get a second console for another room, by all means, do that. But please, up take advantage of just upgrading your overall experience because at the end of the day, your the console doesn't mean shit if it's not playing through a TV that can make it look good, or a gaming monitor, whichever whichever you prefer. I know a lot of guys like to do uh, gaming monitors instead of televisions for their streaming per, for streaming purposes. 
Use your judgment. Think about what works best. And who knows? Even if your TV is pretty cutting edge, you know, I mean, I have a good uh, 1080p, 240 hertz refresh television with 3D, and it's still a great TV. But yeah, I may get a 4K, and that TV, I may sell it. I may put it in another room in my house. It may end up in the studio. Who knows? But that's what I'm saying. You want to try and give people a an experience that they can appreciate. And the only way you're going to do that is by making sure you have a complete experience. No half-assedness. Absolutely. And <laughs> no, definitely don't do that. And I agree with you, like, when you were saying the gaming monitors, I mean, they're not exactly easy to find because you'll you'll see them, like, on a Best Buy ad or a Target ad, but right. they're not labeled right. as such. They probably still say TV on them. Right. And right. Know, just for anybody who's not sure might be confused the difference between a monitor and a tv speakers the tv has speakers a monitor may may have them but probably does not and a tuner and the reason why a, a monitor might be good point and a tuner yes um a monitor might be better is because of the fact that as beautiful as these tvs are they keep getting smaller and the speakers keep getting shittier. Yeah, but think about it. I don't no, even. I was gonna say, think about it. Look at your TV. Anybody listening to this, look at your TV. What's in front of or beneath it? Some kind of sound system. Always. You do not get the sound from your TV speakers. And I'll, I'll tell you this because it's something that you know. In trying to, I guess I always try to give people the best that I can from the streams. I always forget to turn off my sound bar, which is why sometimes like the people watching will see me pause for a second because when my sound bar isn't being actively used, just like the TV, after a while it shuts off. And that cuts cuts my view for a second. Right. Like it shuts off the TV for a second when it's switching to TV. So the the um the reason why it does that is because I'm using the, the headphones or the mic now, which I'll get into that as well, uh, when I'm when I'm streaming, so it's it's not putting out sound. Right. And uh, if you hear the difference in whatever I'm watching between when the sound bar is on and when the sound bar is off, you're like, What the fuck is that sound that I'm hearing? Right. It's like listening to a mouse versus listening to a lion. Well, I got to say this. I I'm a big I'm a big proponent of making sure that whatever TV you, TV you buy, you get the best sound possible. There's been a lot of good stuff out there, and I tell people all the time the Sleeper, the Sleeper sound system is put out by of all companies, Vizio. They put out a um a, a 5.1 bar that actually has wireless rear speakers meaning that the, you don't have to run long wires to the speakers. You actually connect them to the subs. Nothing gets connected to the sound bar. So the sound bar can be mounted either beneath your TV or obviously freestanding, and you can find it for as cheap as 200 bucks, maybe $250. Uh, i have seen it as low as 149 for the holidays, and it's what I'm using currently, and the sound is amazing. On top of that, it has built uh, Bluetooth capability built in, so you can actually stream music directly to it it is a sleeper there's also a, a, a sound it's a sound platform put out by sony that has a built-in subwoofer that you can actually put your tv on top of it 
without damaging the unit and the sound is impeccable and again we're talking about sound quality that's you know dolby surround ready obviously you're not going to get dts or 7.1 and at that point if you are looking for that type of an experience buy a receiver spend some money on some speakers and build yourself something nice because at the end of the day when you get to when you get to that stage you buy a good receiver i mean uh, a buddy of mine i helped him set something up and you know he lives in atlanta and he was like all right this is what i'm going to do blah 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 i told him listen go buy yourself a good receiver and what he was doing is he was doing a projection setup so he was doing it in his basement projecting onto the wall and obviously he ended up getting a drop down projector but he bought a a yamaha home theater in a box and it had which was crazy it had a five hdmi ins and two outs which was interesting because what he ended up doing was he ended up running the one hdmi out into his tv and he ended up running the other hdmi out into a capture card for streaming nice yeah it was it was a crazy it was a crazy setup when he sent me some photos i was like wow that that came out really nice and he said you know he went he bought it and the speakers he got he'll probably replace but it was a good enough system. He spent maybe, I think he spent about 800 bucks on the system with the receiver and everything. And it was good. But he was able to plug in all his consoles, you know. Like I, like I said, he's like, he's like us, you know. Uh, Nintendo, Wii U, uh, a PS3, a PS4, a 360, an Xbox One, plus a cable receiver. So it, it worked out well. And again, you know, the, the sound is key. And in his case, it worked out well also just because, obviously, you're going to have wireless streaming, et cetera, et cetera. So do, do your homework, guys. Um, as always, and, and I put this out there, if, if you're stuck or you have any questions about that stuff, you can reach out to me or Slick either through the group or social media, and we'll gladly try and point you in a direction that will give you guys the best bang for your buck. Uh, we're actually – well, I started building our holiday gift guide, which – I'm not saying anything too much about it because I want to go through the holidays in fucking order like most people. Uh, but I, we are we are working on it. So we're going to definitely throw some recommendations in there for for, you know, uh, different different tiers of sound. If you're trying to go, you know, small time, mid grade or big time. So be on the lookout for that. Um, the only thing I was going to say is that the one thing to consider Obviously, other than how you want the sound, of course, would be space. Right, of course. And that's that's why the sound bars came into existence. The um, a receiver system is always going to be better than a you know than a sound bar. Just like wired is better than wireless. Right. But um, in terms of internet, excuse me, let me just phrase that properly. But um, some of the sound bars. And of course, it's going to be simulated, but the sound bars are starting to go Atmos. So, yep. If the the sound bars are doing Dolby Atmos, then then that's amazing too. Because again, if you're not familiar of what Dolby Atmos is, if you go to if you go to see what do you call it, um, Doctor Strange tomorrow this weekend or whenever in IMAX 3D, you're hearing Dolby Atmos. Yep. Or if you're seeing it in the 4D experience, which is like a $40 ticket. <laughs> oh, get the fuck out of here. I, dude, it's... It, it, for, that, for that, you better hand me the fucking Blu-ray with the ticket. 
I gotta, I gotta tell you, uh, a couple of my friends have, you know, I got a buddy of mine. He went to see Doctor Strange, and he saw it in that type of a, of a theater, and he said it is mind blowing the experience. And you know, he 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 was comp the ticket, but he was like, this because de- this could definitely spoil a, a, a mofo real quick. <laughs> I and I would agree with what he's saying. The only reason why I would disagree is again. What you said with that price, that, right. that's $40 to fuck that because especially with Marvel, they put out way too many movies per year. Right. That, 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 you think about what, of course, like I said, I'm, if I go to the movies, you know, if people want food, I'll buy it. But for me, fuck that because I can get a, I'm still, you know, I still got the hood in me. I can get a meal for five bucks. But um, <laughs> I'll go to the patty spot. Fuck it. But um, it's like between that forty dollars ticket and what you spend on concessions. Yep. No, it, you I, you might be spending like a hundred dollars per person. I mean, you're not wrong. I mean, we went. Usually, I go to see the movies in the morning. You know me fairly well when it comes to that. But occasionally, I'll go later on in the day if I have to. And you know, you're spending nineteen fifty or twenty two dollars. For a 3D IMAX film, you know, for my wife and I, that's already $44 in tickets minus the $20 combo, which is, you know, two drinks and a large popcorn. You've just spent 60 bucks without even blinking. Exactly. No, you're right. But yeah, so with that said. I mean, the only good thing about stuff like that is that a lot of these theaters now will give you some kind of points card where, you know, at least you can get a drink or fucking popcorn free. Yep. But don't misunderstand. Sometimes you got to treat yourself. <laughs> Sometimes you got to do that. Um, and like I said, that's that's what the Blu-ray and Blu-ray, the Blu-ray, Blu-ray and Doctor Strange's and autograph on the way out. The real and the, and it has to be the real actor. Yep. <laughs> it's got to be the real actor waiting for you. Like Benedict Cumberbatch has to be sitting outside, going, "Thank you, thank you for checking out my film." Thank you, and signing a Blu-ray and handing it to you on the way out. Damn straight. But um, you know, switching gears real quick, I did want to mention something that this game, when it came out on the 360, so many people loved it, and I had to make sure to get these news out. This new piece of news out there, uh, Super Giant Games is bringing Bastion to the Xbox One next month. How crazy is that gonna look? I remember the name, but I don't quite remember the, the game itself. Yeah, the uh, the game is going to be... Up as, go ahead. No, I was just saying, I'm looking it up as I'm talking to you. Yeah, so for those of you that are fans of the game and want to play it on your new systems, it will be available on December 12th, and what's going to... Uh, you know, if you have the original version, you'll be able to get the new version um, on your on your Xbox One from December 12th through... January 1st. Afterwards, you'll be able you'll have to pay 14.99 for the the game on Xbox One. Uh obviously it's going to have, you know, the the same game, but it's going to output in 1080p. You're going to have additional achievements and you're also going to have the DLC included. So if you are a fan of Bastion uh and you own an Xbox One and want to take it for a spin and have the original copy laying around, you'll be able to get the brand new re-release on Xbox One Dece- starting December 12th. Afterwards, if you miss out on the window, you'll have to pick the game up for 
99. So uh wanted to get that out there because I know a lot of people are definitely fans of that game. So I definitely wanted to put that out there. The other thing I wanted to get into, and this happened before I brought you on, was some additional metrics. I was talking about Nintendo's impressive showing thus far. But um, Take-Two had some impressive numbers of their own. Um, NBA 2K17 sold 4.5 million units since it was released. Uh, it is considered to have the strongest first week in in the franchise's history. Mafia 3 sold 4.5 million units in its first week, and it's a record for Take-Two. Uh, in addition to that, you know, these numbers are representative of units shipped to retailers. So you got to take that into consideration. Um, you know, NBA 2K17 has sold in, that's the term that they're using, 4.5 million units. In other words, they ship 4.5 million units to the store, and that's that's not something to 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 take lightly. On the other hand, a record no. a, a record breaking number is our friends GTA 5, uh 70 million units shipped just for this quarter. Jesus Christ. Yep. Who is still buying this game? So, and I'm not saying that like cuz GTA 5 I Well, let me I explain. I don't play it anymore, but I love it to death. Well, I got to just put this out there. GTA 5's 70 million number constitutes an additional 10 million units sold in the quarter uh, added to the additional 60 million copies that have been sold so far. So that's 10 million shipped, 60 sold, 70 million in total, which is insane. (laughs) Crazy Eddie. Yep, it is. It is bonkers. I was like, all right, you know, you you guys, you you guys got to take two. I'm not I'm not going to mess with you guys. Uh, The other item I did want to mention is the fact that, you know, these games are coming out and we still haven't even looked at the MPD numbers for October, much less, you know, how the MPD numbers are going to look in November. But there's still some stellar titles that have been released that are going to definitely upset the Apple card a bit. I'm curious to see how well Titanfall 2 is done. I picked it up. Uh, fun fucking game, man. I mean, our very own Captain Quark uh, reviewed the multiplayer experience, and it wasn't... He, he, he felt that it wasn't up to snuff, but I played the beta. I enjoyed it, and of course, I'm going to work on my review for that as well. Uh, right now, I'm, for those of you that are curious, I'm working on a review for Dragon Ball Z Xenoverse, which... Um, two. I, I Yes, two. Thank you. I feel uh, mixed. Mixed about that game for different reasons, but... Uh, you know, I'll address that in the review. In any case, you know, a lot of great titles are coming out, and these are titles that are still being, like I said, sold in, as in shipped to retailers, and we're not even looking at overall sales. I think when those numbers come out, we're going to see what time it is for real. I hear you. Um, I was going to say, I wanted to ask you, Titanfall 2, does it have a single-player campaign? Yes, it does, and that's what I was very excited about. They have included a single-player campaign. Okay. But I got to say this, and and this isn't me pontificating the multiplayer experience, but I got to say, when I first started playing the beta, I was getting my ass handed to me, but as I, as I played it a little bit more, I got a little better. It turned from me being killed 20 times and killing one person to me killing, you know, 10 people and getting killed 20 times, you know? There was, there was definitely well, a... Of course, because you got the, the assholes, the, the Twitch assholes... The, the lag-switching assholes, the camping assholes. Yep. You know, there's always a bunch of assholes. Right, but the thing is also, 
that Titanfall 2 gives you uh, uh, just a, a, a variety of different loadouts that you can use. I mean, you know, you got the smart pistol, you got various other pistols, you got guys that like using sniper rifles, plus with the addition of the grappling hook, oh man, it changes the game completely because you could just be running and gunning, shoot the grappling hook, jump on a building, hop up there, switch your loadout, you know, use a sniper rifle, take a dude out, you know, load your Titan, jump into the Titan, and just proceed to unleash all kinds of hell with your with your mech so you know it was a fun game man and you know me i'm not big on on getting online into the multiplayer stuff but i had fun on the beta don't get me wrong i didn't turn on my headset to talk to anybody but whenever i got in a room with a team you know we went in there we had a pretty decent strategy and there were times we would do really well and there were times that we'd be playing against people that they were they were seasoned veterans just killing us at at will there you go the um the other you know game that was being released this one's going to be backwards compatible is uh blue dragon if you remember that that was the the big jrpg wow. that they, yeah that they put out for xbox everybody was oh my god blue dragon so amazing but um you know miss walker had already done backwards compatibility for lost odyssey but um now it looks like blue dragon will be playable on the xbox one also uh, the problem is that the only way you're going to be able to play it is obviously if you still have a physical copy of the game only because they never did uh, a digital version of Blue Dragon. But still, that's a game you could pick up for five or ten bucks and it's it's pretty solid, you know? Mm, it might cost more than that. Yeah, well, now that they did that... You probably won't <laughs> find it in a, in a GameStop. Now that they and did that's this... that's one of those niche titles that people are, are gouging at on eBay. Well, with the with this announcement of backwards compatibility, I expect those values to go even higher. Yep. Now, the the last piece of gaming news I wanted to tackle were the was a piece that Eurogamer put out that said that Nintendo would be ceasing production of the Wii U later this week. Um a lot of people were like, you know, it was inevitable with the announcement of the Switch, blah blah blah. So, funny thing is even though Eurogamer put that out nintendo is saying that it is not true uh spoke a spokesman for nintendo said there is no change to our wii u production um even though the nintendo switch is slated to go on sale wii u production is scheduled to continue um it's it's interesting because when the nikkei reported that the wii u was going to end production and make way for the switch nintendo denied that report as well but um the funny thing is that Nintendo has had a history of denying reports, and then they turn out to be true. Um, funny thing was, in 2012, they denied the report that the 3DS would be getting a newer, larger version. And then, of course, a few months later, 3DS XL, and the Nikkei was correct. So, with that said, where do you stand in this? It'd be a shame if it's true. I wouldn't, you know doubt it being true, but I also wouldn't doubt that they're going to continue because as long as it's still selling, why would you stop making it? Plus, what do you call it? If Let's say it is true. I deny the shit too because if you didn't intentionally leak it, then right now, it's none of anybody's fucking business. Right. So yeah, I deny it and okay. then come out and say, yeah, we're doing it. Fuck it. Well, I got to say this. Even if they're ceasing production, there are still consoles in circulation. And I'll be honest in saying this. Absolutely. If, if, you're, if you're not buying a Wii U this holiday season, 
then you're not buying it at all. Not buying a Wii U. Period. Let, let's not kid ourselves. You you're know? not either replacing it because you went crazy and tossed the tablet across the, the room. Right. Or if you're you're not finally breaking down and getting one, then your next Nintendo console will be either a 3DS or the Switch. A new 3DS or a, a Switch. Yep. And and that's the thing that gets me. It's like for, for people that are like, oh, you know, fucking Nintendo, blah, blah, blah. I say the same thing. But did you buy a system? Period. Because it's like if you didn't buy one and you're not buying one anytime soon, what does it matter? Like that's that's the whole thing. Like think about how long think about how long the PS2 was in circulation. Remember that we were we were doing MTR when when the PS2 finally was announced being out of circulation. Think of how many years it took. They finally announced their last game. Yep, and that's what I'm saying. Like the Wii U, Nintendo unfortunately has seen the writing on the wall. And I got to say this: innovation requires you know a couple of, of failures along the way. The, I don't. I don't deem the Wii U a failure. I deem the Wii U an experiment that allowed Nintendo to realize that they can create something that would embody both portability and home-based gameplay, but still keep it fun. Now, obviously, price is still going to be a matter of of you know the, whether people are going to buy it day one or not. But think about this. We went from the Wii U and having the tablet, which everybody thought was over the top and crazy, to now a system being completely tablet-based to the point where you can start playing at home, take the tablet with you, possibly on public transportation, still play your game, and come home and plug it back in and finish your game on your TV. Even if you were not a fan of the Wii U, you have to appreciate the innovation at work, period. I'm straight. Because that's the thing that irks me, you know? People always look at it, you know, before you got to hold that shiny, you know, two-inch thin phone in your hand and were able to access the internet and everything else, you had to carry a giant phone. Or you had to carry one of those crazy HP tablet hybrids that you had to plug into your phone to use the phone as a modem. I remember that. You know what I mean? Before you were able to text message on a regular phone, you had to get a sidekick, of which I owned quite a few. Jesus Christ. But this is but this is what I'm saying, you know. I, I never got into that, but I hear you. Yeah, but but the thing is that people people they 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 get upset that Nintendo it's like, oh, you guys are gonna cancel the Wii, it sucked, blah blah blah. No. The Wii was successful in allowing Nintendo to test things out. And it's something you and I have talked about on previous shows with DLC, where it's like, hey, we're going to put out DLC for five bucks. Oh, a bunch of people bought it. Well, next DLC is going to be 10 bucks. Next DLC is going to be 20 and so on and so forth. Where are we now where DLC season passes are running between 30 and $50 from when they started at five or 10 bucks? Remember those days? Yep. See? People keep fucking buying. Yeah, people keep buying it. People keep supporting it. And because of that, companies are going to continue to do it. In Nintendo's case, Nintendo saw that there was a way to bridge the gap between portable gaming and console gaming with with an interface that they had to iron out. And the Wii U was the first step in that experiment. Simple as that. Fair enough. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked. Remember, remember when they did the the adapter that you could put on the bottom of your GameCube to play uh, Game Boy cartridges on your TV? 
or or the adapter that you could do on your Super NES to play Game Boy cartridges. Again, well before cross-platform play on like the PS Plus, Nintendo was already kind of doing that shit. Sideways compatibility. <laughs> Sideways. But still, think about it. You were able to pop that cartridge in and play it on your TV. Yeah, it was great. You know? And I wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked like I said if the Switch starts getting into a uh, getting into a, a a situation and again this is a theory even though the 3ds is an amazing system i wouldn't be shocked if five years down the road the the 3ds or whatever incarnation it is and the switch or whatever it is at that time become one in the same that's definitely possible you know i would i wouldn't be shocked i wouldn't be shocked that we hit that we hit that precipice where handheld game you know portable gaming and and console gaming are a question of whether you're home or on the go and not a matter of what device you own we're getting watch there. after we're the getting... nx comes out after the sorry after the NX, after the switch comes out watch watch um certain other companies magically out of nowhere you can take your game on the go yep dude here, here's a great here's a here's a crazy example even though Nintendo has been testing it, it's kind of what Apple did because it got to the point where you could output your tablet or your iPhone to your TV. Again, we it, it's always yeah. been it's always been there. It's just a matter of who does it best. And Nintendo, considering how how long they've been market leaders in the portable gaming space, they're gonna find a way to bridge that gap. And when they do, nobody's gonna see it coming because. It's like I said before. Remember what I said? Apple's creeping up, and portal and and handheld gaming is key, is creeping up and creeping up. And what did Nintendo do? Oh, we're gonna put Mario on on a, on an Apple device because they knew that hey, these guys are creeping up, so we might as well get in bed with them because the enemy of my enemy is my friend. There you go. They're not stupid, dude. But I, um, you have anything else to add, my friend? Go ahead. Oh yeah, I thought you were talking. Sorry. No, I was gonna say that um, there was some other news that came out, and it's both good. It's, it's not bad at all. It's, just, it's good and somewhat disappointing at the same time. Okay. Uh, I wanted to speak on it, but actually, our very own Quark kind of beat me to the punch. And this was really an RKO. It literally came out of nowhere and was announced yesterday, even though it came out yesterday. And by yesterday, I mean Thursday, because it's now November 4th. Um, THQ Nordic, yep. not one of my favorite companies, but whatever. <laughs> they still have some of my favorite games. Um, THQ Nordic released Destroy All Humans for the PlayStation 4. That's right. Destroy All Humans was originally released for the PlayStation 2. Yep. And it was a very fun game. You, you basically played a an alien clone sent by an overlord to Earth to destroy all humans. Right. And um, when I say it's somewhat disappointing, it's the fact that it's great that it's only 20 bucks. Right. But when you turn it on and, and I, you know, I'm the one that says graphics aren't everything. It's not really worth more than 20 bucks. They really didn't do anything to it. Well, it's funny. Like, I still have, I'm, I'm hoping that I, I 
get a review copy, but because I, I haven't put my hands on the game yet, but in seeing like the video and the the screenshots, all they did was manage to make it widescreen and up the resolution a little bit. Right. It still doesn't look like it. It, it barely looks PS3 worthy. Well, you know what's funny? They in it with that announcement, which I actually um I actually received that announcement and assigned it to Quark. But um the the thing was that THQ Nordic and this this is probably going to trip you out when you hear this. They're pretty much speculating that they're going to release their entire catalog on PS4 and and Xbox 1 down the road. So, you know, Red Faction, all that shit we're going to see that. And to your point, at least put in the work, guys. <laughs> at least put in the work. It's like, I mean, I mean I'll mean, i even go back a little bit. Tomb Raider, um, Tomb Raider Anniversary, which was on PS3 and, and Xbox 360, was a re-release of Tomb Raider, the 1996 original. Right. Looked fantastic. Because they put in the work. With, with Crystal Dynamics, they they used the new engine from Tomb Raider Legend and built, they, they used it to, to rebuild the original game. Right. I'm like, are you guys doing anything other than just porting up games? Nope. That's why it's like, again, I, I, I would love to play it, but I'm not that excited for... Dark side of um, War Master because they're just going to port it up. It's going to be the same game. They add, they'll add trophies, and that's it. It's like, come on, guys, you you, you got to do something better, <laughs> dude. I I definitely I feel I feel your pain. I definitely do. Um, you know, it's one of it's one of the things that I was saying. And I've talked about this before. It's like if you want to port stuff over, at least at least put in some of the due diligence. You know, like I've always said, I'd love to see like Legacy of Kane ported over to a new con, you know, new new consoles with fresh graphics, or uh, Castlevania Symphony of Night ported over, but like you know, awesome looking. I mean, it is what it is, but there was some chance of um, Legacy of Kane coming back, but it just doesn't have... There, there's a, a multiplayer game. Yeah, Nosgoth, right? Uh, MOBA. Yeah, it just... It, I guess it doesn't have the fan following. Yeah, it's crazy, man. It's unfortunate. Because I'm sure if that game did well, that would that would spawn... probably spawn another uh, Legacy of Kane game. Well, that's what they were talking about with... from that universe. Well, that's what they were talking about with Capcom also about bringing everybody wants to see Darkstalkers brought back. But again, it's, you know, bring it back, bring it back. Will you buy it? You know? Excuse me. <laughs> Sorry. It's all right. But, yeah, but, um, I mean, we'll... Uh, no, no, go ahead. Go ahead. It's like, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to, to knock them too much because I don't know how to make a fucking game, but... It's like it's just I don't know. It just seems a little bit lazy. I'm not disagreeing. It, it's just to the point that these games are not are are still going to be great, even if you just port them up. Right. If you like them, then you're going to like them now. Correct. I agree. But it's like 
if these games were made brand new in 2016 and you made them like this, nobody would buy them. Because you're like, what, what is this, this game that looks like something from the PS2 that you're trying to get us to pay $60 for? Correct. I mean, that's one of the things I say that was done, cor- was done right with like the Uncharted collection. Like when that was done, it was like, wow. And it's not even really about graphics. I mean, right. Add, add stuff to the game. Precisely. No, I agree. But like I said, if I, if I get it, I'll definitely give you guys my full impression. Cool. I probably won't hear anything until at least tomorrow. But um, then there are, of course, the games that were made in 2016 or in 2015 that are coming out this year, which we, we can look forward to. Right after the PS4 Pro's launch, next Friday, anybody that is into the series or into first-person adventures, there is Dishonored 2. Right. Uh, The same day for Assassin's Creed Nuts, there is the Assassin's Creed Ezio Collection. Yep. That comes out on only on the consoles. It doesn't fit to the PC version. I'll be checking that out. Uh, I... I still have all the games on PS3, so I, I I couldn't, for me, I couldn't warrant a purchase. Oh, no, I wouldn't purchase it. I, I, I'm not trying to... Oh, I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> but um, then the week following that, the following Tuesday, we have Watch Dogs 2. No, I'm sure you're again, super excited for that. I <laughs> It's like, I honestly, I am. At the same time, I shit on it because of Watch Dogs 1. Right. Was Watch Dogs 1 bad? Absolutely not. It was a good game. But was Watch Dogs what Watch Dogs was built up to be by Ubisoft? Hell no, it was not even close. Right. Not even close. So that's why I'm skeptical on Watch Dogs 2. Personally, I, I don't see it as a day one purchase. I would have to be able to play the game, you know, or at least see other people play the game. Right. And, you know, be able to form an opinion before I would put my $60 down. And again, I'm not saying the game's bad. I can't say the game's bad. It's not out yet. I haven't played it. But just based on its predecessor, and I'll give you, I'll give you a current example Anybody who's a wrestling fan has seen the um anybody who's a wrestling fan has seen the the commercial for Watch Dogs 2. That's right. Looks fantastic. Yep. And all of it is the in-game engine. Here's the problem. Most of that shit ain't gameplay, and you can tell. <laughs> yep, it's cinematic portions. Yes. <laughs> the last thing that I wanted to say was um, regarding the the um, games getting built up for PlayStation Four Pro. Mafia Three, they they announced that they're gonna gonna upscale that for for 4K and HDR and everything. Yep. What's that gonna accomplish? <laughs> for one thing, like I said, again, I'm not knocking the game. It is a beautiful game. It is a good game, but it's it's not what it was built up to be. Right. It's not a great game because for one thing, it's glitchy as hell. This is true. Making it look good on PS4 Pro is not going to fix that. You're just going to have, instead of it being a good... better and fix the glitches. 
Yeah, well, here's the I was going to say, instead of getting a regular turd, you're you're going to get a a gold spray painted turd. <laughs> that's that's why, you know? And and not, again, not to say that the game is bad, but it's true. It's like, "Hey, we're going to we're going to make it look prettier, but is the pretty going to hide the glitches?" <laughs> Sorry. No, sir. It's like like I said, what do you call it? Hitman, full of glitches. And every time they update something, they manage to break something. <laughs> but the game is far, far from unplayable. Right. And some of the glitches are funny. No, it makes sense. A lot of the glitches just wind up being funny. Last thing is that, you know, after Watch Dogs 2, you got Pokemon, which is, of course, gangbusters for Nintendo. Yep. Printing money. And... The game that will print money will definitely printed money for for Square Enix because they put out a two hundred and sixty nine dollar version of it. That's and right. Motherfuckers bought it. It's sold out in July. It sold out. Final Fantasy fifteen. Yep. When you can make, I think I forgot. I think maybe twenty thousand. It was. It wasn't a whole lot of copies. It's limited edition. But when you can make, let's even say it was ten thousand. I think it was more though. 10,000 copies of something that's $269 that should be 60 and people eat it up. Oh, you're right. I mean, I, I, I'm almost afraid to see the numbers for this game in December. Oh, I can't wait for that, dude. Can't wait for the MPD stuff. That's for sure. All right, man. I will um, let you get to the entertainment to wrap things up. I just want to leave you with an entertainment-related question. What is that? If a red shirt, by which I mean Star Trek, if a red shirt, Sean Bean, a black guy, Steven Seagal's new bride, some generic orcs, and Kenny from South Park all walk into a movie scene, who dies first? Sean Bean, always. (laughs) (laughs) Sean Bean will die in the hallway on the way into the theater. I just wanted to throw a fucked up question at you. (laughs) Sean Bean, dude, all the way. Like... Like, he's just going to die on principle. Like, it'll be like, hey, all these guys walk into the bar. Oh, except Sean Bean. He died already. Dead. <laughs> Dead. Girder fell on him on the way into the building. Sorry. Dead. Damn. <laughs> but yes, Sean Bean would die first. <laughs> all right, man. All right, buddy. That's Thank you for the assist. Week. All right, brother. Peace. All right, that was our very own Slick. As always, make sure to check out his streams on his YouTube channel. Links for that, as always, in the show notes. Let us switch gears and jump into some entertainment stuff, shall we? got to open things up with the box office numbers unfortunately tom hanks could not dethrone medea this past weekend as boo a medea halloween remained in the number one slot earning 16.7 million dollars uh tom hanks inferno came in in the number two slot jack reacher came in at number three earning 9.6 million dollars to bring its total to 39.7 uh the accountant 
was number four, earning an additional $8.5 million to bring its total to 16.3, uh, excuse me, $61.3 million. Do yourselves a favor. If you haven't, uh, check out our review of The Accountant on RageWorks.net and see for yourself what I thought of the movie. Give it a shot. You might enjoy it. Also, check out our last episode of MTR's uh, Gaming and Entertainment Edition, where I did a five-minute movie review of The Accountant as well. Ouija Origin of Evil was number five, $7.1 million, bringing its total to 24.6. The Girl on the Train was number six. Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children was number seven, with an additional $4 million, bringing its total to 79.9 million dollars. Keeping up with the Joneses came in at number eight. Storks was number nine. And um, I Dill High Mushkill was number 10. I have no idea what that is. Um, I probably bludgeoned that name, but yeah, that was the number 10 movie. Of course, this weekend, Doctor Strange, which is already in theaters, um, already killing it internationally. Uh, it's already earned $86 million in the international market. Uh, Disney has said that it is trending 49% ahead of Ant-Man, 37% ahead of Guardians of the Galaxy, 23% ahead of Captain America Winter Soldier, and 1% ahead of Thor The Dark World. It is a no-brainer that the doctor will own the box office this weekend, so Tyler Perry will be taking a back seat when it's all said and done. In some what-the-fuck entertainment news, of course, a few months back, we were talking about Rambo getting a potential sequel with Sylvester Stallone set to reprise his role as John Rambo. That has since changed In a report published by The Hollywood Reporter, it appears that Rambo New Blood is still going to happen, but it will not have Sylvester Stallone involved in the project. Instead, the leading role will be going to a younger actor. Not sure if they're going to go with uh, the actor being the son of John Rambo, but Sylvester Stallone will not be involved in the project. This comes off the heels of Stallone stepping away or not being involved in a Rambo TV project that was supposed to be done with Fox. In any case, a Rambo reboot is coming. That's for that. That's for damn sure. Now in some small screen news with regards to reboots, we were talking about the return of cruel intentions. Turns out that NBC has decided to pass on the series. Uh, TV line has decided not to move forward because they feel that they currently have a very packed mid season schedule and they're already committed to picking up other shows. Sony Pictures is currently shopping the show around to other networks. But for the time being, we will not be seeing a Cruel Intentions TV show on NBC. Of course, it wouldn't be an entertainment segment without some comic movie news. On the DC side of things, it looks like The Flash has lost its director. Um, Rick Rick Famuyiwa. I always mess up that guy's name when I try to say it fast, has decided to step away from the DC's extended universe version of The Flash. Uh, The split is being cited as being due to creative differences. Um, Famu Yiwa came on board after replacing Seth Graham Smith, who left the film in April. This is now the second director that has left the project, and it is making things incredibly difficult to get the Flash film out during the time that they were scheduled to release the film for Uh, the intent was to get the filming underway with an expected 2018 release date. But Ezra Miller, who is going to be starring as Barry Allen and the flash 
has other commitments on deck. So that may derail the expected release date for the flash and may end up pushing it further into 2018. Of course, once we get any additional information, including potential directors, we will share it with you guys either on air or on rageworks.net. Looks like Walt Disney is continuing its trend of recreating its classic films in live action format. This week, we got to see a couple of glimpses at the upcoming live action version of Beauty and the Beast with Emma Watson. Um, I was really impressed with what they did. Uh, the The way that the Beast looked was pretty spot on in the photos I, I we got to see. And Disney looks to continue that cash machine that they've created by doing a live action version of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Um, of course, we've already seen Snow White recreated in live action with Mirror Mirror and Snow White and the Huntsman, but not on a scale like Disney has done. Of course, Snow White is also a character on the TV show Once Upon a Time, so the character has definitely been in the spotlight quite a bit, but never in the sense of a complete live action recreation of the signature film. We don't have a release date currently or any additional information, but we will definitely be keeping an eye on that to share with you guys. It looks like that Taken TV series I talked about a couple of shows back actually is getting ready to head to the small screen. Uh, NBC put out a press release with an announcement that we would be seeing the season premiere of Taken on February 27th at 10 p.m. right after the premiere of The Voice. Um, This is going to be the prequel, so to speak, of the character Brian Mills, which we've seen on screen portrayed by Liam Neeson. Again, February 27th is the debut of the Taken TV series on NBC with a 10 p.m. airtime. Definitely going to keep an eye on that and check it out only because I was not excited about the Lethal Weapon TV series, and I've actually come to enjoy it quite a bit. So we'll see what happens. I'll check it out and, of course, share my thoughts with you guys. In some other small screen news, it looks like Arrow and the DC shows will continue to get uh, other characters from the DC universe. In Arrow's case, we're seeing more and more characters from Batman's mythology appear in the Arrow's in the Arrow TV series. It looks like we would, the next character we'll be seeing from Batman's rogues gallery will be Talia Al Ghul. As many of you know, Nissa Al Ghul has already appeared on numerous episodes of Arrow, as has Ra's al Ghul. Now, uh, Talia will be making her appearance, played by Lexia Doig, who many of you may know from Andromeda or from Stargate SG-1. Uh, she is the half-sister of Nisa and, and will be appearing in episode 10 of this season's Arrow broadcast. Now, the thing about you know characters like Nissa, Talia al Ghul, Ra's al Ghul, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, is that we're seeing just more and more of Batman's, uh, you know, t- to some people lesser rogues show up and mix it up with Oliver Queen. I think, and I've said it before, I think there's a, a strong case for Batman on the small screen. I mean, we've been getting it with Gotham, but I feel that Gotham is more of a procedural for. Uh, Gordon and Bullock with Batman kind of looming in the background. But I think a dedicated Batman TV series would do very, very, very well, 
especially in the universe that has been crafted uh, by the CW already, I think Batman would fall in quite nicely or at minimum deserve to be acknowledged. Even if you don't have Batman show up and you use Bruce Wayne, you use Gotham City, you use a couple of characters here and there, just like we saw with Deadshot and the tease for Harley. You know, I I think there's there's a strong case there. I think that the DC television universe is is amazing. They've done an amazing job. There's actually a news item I was going to share later on in the segment, but I'll share it now. Uh, the DC television universe and the series associated with it have brought in over $1 billion in 2016 for Time Warner. With more than 10 shows on air already, they are continuing to be incredibly successful. So with that said, considering the amount of money that Time Warner is getting from these shows it it's a no-brainer to leverage that and maybe start using some of those characters in the properties that are already um that have already cultivated a fan base that's all i'm saying the other project well not a project more a sequel slash reboot is the you know female-led version of the oceans series as many of you know oceans 11 and 12 with um, all the usual guys, George Clooney, Brad Pitt, Matt Damon, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the films are going to have a spinoff with a female cast, which is now called Oceans 8, and production is already underway. Um, you know, we talked about this with Sandra Bullock, Kate Blanchett, Anne Hathaway, Mindy Kaling, Sarah Paulson, um, Rihanna, Helena Bonham Carter being involved in the project. And they, uh, we actually got a bit of a plot synopsis. Um, it appears that Sandra Bullock's character is going to be Danny Ocean's sister, who's going to be teaming up with Kate Blanchett's character to form a team of thieves to steal a necklace from the Met Ball and frame the gallery owner. Uh, looks incredibly promising. I think that the chemistry is going to be the driving force for that film, as it was with Ocean's Eleven and its sequels. Uh, the chemistry is what made those films work so well right down to the chemistry between George Clooney and Andy Garcia, you know, with the hero and the villain. I think that that's going to be a big driving force for a film like Ocean's 8. That's for sure. The other piece of news I wanted to discuss on the reboot side of things was the Starship Troopers reboot, which is looking more and more and more likely uh, with a lot of news that has been coming out. Uh, right now, it looks like there is a reboot which has been greenlit. And, you know, the Hollywood Reporter is saying that the team that was behind the Colin Farrell remake of Total Recall is involved in the Starship Troopers remake. The original Starship Troopers was produced on a budget of $105 million and only made $54 million with a worldwide gross of $121 million. It definitely was. Not considered successful, but it did spawn um, a couple of direct-to-DVD films and has developed its own, um, you know, passionate fan base. Of course, the uh, the A the AAA actor Casper Van Dien uh, was involved. Denise Richards, Jake Busey, Neil Patrick Harris, Clancy Brown, um, just a lot of great character actors. Michael Ironside that really put together a film that when you saw it, you were like, "What the fuck?" It was. It had a lot of the same campiness that made RoboCop so good, but it also had a lot of visceral violence that just really made the film stand out as a, you know, as a sci-fi classic. I'm intrigued to see if they can pull off something of that magnitude with the reboot. 
but I just I feel that that's a film that lightning in a bottle you know you only got that kind of magic once you had the right cast you had the right environment I don't know how well it would do but I'm curious and I'm going to be watching the development over the next couple of weeks (laughs) slick says it will not work without the commercials damn right the commercials were a big part of what made starship troopers crazy much like robocop uh the other bit of news to wrap things up we had mentioned uh rob liefeld's evangeline would be heading to the big screen it looks like now that is actually starting to pick up some steam uh with the character making its way to paramount with Akiva Goldsman involved in a producer capacity. Last time we talked about this, we said that the film was being considered and that Gina Carano was in the running to play Evangeline, even though the story kind of died there. Now that the chatter has picked up once again and that there's a studio involved, the rumor of Gina Carano possibly playing the character after her success in Deadpool is becoming more and more apparent. Now, we'll see if they decide to pull the trigger with her in the lead or another actress. But Evangeline, as a property, now has a home at Paramount. And Akiva Goldsman is involved to bring the film to the big screen. This will be another project that we will be watching very closely. As someone who read Evangeline comics and owns quite a few of them, I'm curious to see how that translates to the big screen. All right. In any case, that was the last bit of entertainment news for this week's episode of MTR. So with that said, I've given you guys my take on gaming and entertainment. As always, I would love to hear yours. Feel free to reach out via social media on Twitter. You can follow us at my take radio, and you can also follow RageWorks on Twitter at rage underscore works. You can interact with us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash official RageWorks to become a fan of the RageWorks fan page and stay up to date on all the latest happenings with My Take Radio, all our other shows, and Rageworks content. And if you want to interact with us on a more casual scale, you can always hit us up in the Rageworks Facebook group. Talk gaming, entertainment, MMA, pro wrestling, tech, pop culture stuff, you name it. It definitely gets brought up in the group. So look for us in on Facebook with the Rageworks group. It is open. Just have to be approved to be part of the group. Not a big deal. As long as you're not going to spam us trying to sell us sunglasses and fake football jerseys, then you will definitely have an open door invite. You can also find Rageworks on Instagram, Snapchat, Pinterest, and Google+. My Take Radio also has a presence on Google+, if you use those services as well. As for this show, you can find it on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio in podcast format within 24 to 48 hours of the live broadcast video can be found on our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash official rage works. If you're interested in being a guest on a future episode of my take radio or have any questions or concerns, you can email me MTR host at my take or you can fill out the contact us form on our RageWorks website. Last but not least, a quick reminder, there will not be any live episodes of My Take Radio next week, November 9th and 10th. We'll be back on air. Got to make sure I give you guys the right dates. November 16th and 17th. and 17th. 16th, of course, for MMA and wrestling. 17th for gaming and entertainment. After that, we will be off uh, November 23rd and 24th for the Thanksgiving holiday, but we'll be back 
uh, Wednesday, November 30th, and Thursday, December 1st for the gaming and entertainment editions of MTR. Uh, of course, MMA and wrestling will be on November 30th. All right, guys. I want to thank you guys for tuning in and checking out this week's episode of My Take Radio. As always, keep it, keep up with us on social media while we're off air for all of the stuff that we'll be covering. On behalf of myself and Slick, thank you guys for tuning in. See you guys, not next week, but the week after. Peace. I'm rich, bitch! <laughs> That's all, folks.